Good afternoon. Thank you for coming back. I know that we are way, way down number-wise, and we certainly hope and pray that those who are at the retreat will make it home safely today, but thank you for coming back. It's good to be with you this afternoon. We hope and pray that the time that we spend together will profit you and glorify God. We are looking at Hebrews chapter 5, specifically in verses 12 through 14, as we think about the theme today, the danger of remaining in spiritual infancy. The Hebrew writer addressed a number of problems that existed among some of the Christians in the first century, one of which some of the saints, that is some of the Jewish saints, were going back to Judaism. And so the writer stresses the superiority of the law of Christ to that of the Mosaic law. And so it's in that context that the writer voices concern over some of the members of the church in that time. They had reached a point where they should have been mature, but the writer said, you need somebody to reteach you the ABCs of Christianity. So I want us to think about what is recorded here. And in our lesson today, the first thing that I want to talk about has to do with the crisis in the church. The crisis was simply put, they were not where they needed to be, spiritually speaking. So with that in mind, let's look again what the writer said beginning in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or to those who are mature. That is, those who by reason of use or practice have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So let's just talk for a moment or two about the crisis that was plaguing the church in the first century. And I would say right up front that one of the real problems that we have today in the church is a lack of knowledge among the membership. And I'm talking about the membership at large. When you look at the universal church, we're not as knowledgeable in some places, in some ways, as we once were. And so what the writer here, first and foremost, talks about their failure to develop as New Testament Christians. They were not developing spiritually as they should. Imagine if you can bringing a child into this world. We've got a lot of children here. And one of the great things about just stepping back and observing our young people is to see them as they grow physically and also mentally. But then add to that another dimension, which would be spiritually. If you brought a child into the world, you would obviously expect that child to grow physically and intellectually. And if the child was not growing, your conclusion would be, okay, something's amiss here. Something's not right. So we need to go see a doctor, a neurologist, or whomever. 
Well, by the same token, if we're not growing as we should be, if we're not developing in the faith, there's a problem there, isn't there? And so the writer is saying, look, you have reached a point in time in your spiritual life wherein you ought to be able to sit down with others and teach them the truth of Almighty God. Now, I want you to think about what Peter said over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Peter writing to Christians, novices in the faith. He said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Then if you turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, another passage very familiar to us. Peter would say, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You remember Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 3 at verse 15 that we are to sanctify the Lord God in our heart and we are to be ready to give an answer, a defense, an apologetic to those who ask us of the faith that we have in meekness and fear. How would you rate your faith as a child of God by way of maturity? Now granted, When we talk about Christianity, we understand that there are stages of growth and there is a developmental process. But how would you classify your faith? Would you say that you are a novice, an infant in Christ? Would you conclude that your level of Bible knowledge is elementary? What about Is your faith at a point where you're on a high school level, college level, graduate level? The goal is to grow in knowledge. If we're not growing, something is not right. That would be true physically. It's obviously true intellectually. And yes, it is true spiritually. So they were failing to develop. But then... There was a second problem. Not only were they failing to develop, but they were failing in their duty as children of God. So look again at verse 12 and listen to what the writer has to say. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. The writer here indicting them because they had gotten to a point in their spiritual journey where the writer is saying you ought to be able to sit down and teach someone the gospel of Christ. But rather than having the ability to teach, he said you need to go back to school yourself. You need to go back and sit down and relearn the ABCs, the fundamentals of Christianity. The only way that we're going to know the Word of God is to spend time in this book. There are no shortcuts There is no easy method to coming to a full knowledge of the Word of God. It is a lifetime process. It is a growing process. It is a developmental process. But one of the responsibilities that we have as Christians is to teach. You remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, The things which you have learned from me, commit these also to faithful men that they might be able to teach others. Okay, so there's the goal. We take what we've learned, 
We teach that to faithful people, and then they have the ability to teach others. Listen to what Jesus said, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said, once a person becomes a child of God, that's not the finished product, but rather teaching them to observe all things. The goal is to be grounded in the faith. This morning we looked at Colossians 1.23. Grounded and steadfast in the faith. Are you grounded in the faith? Can you sit down and walk somebody through the plan of salvation? Can you tell somebody the various acts of worship, five acts of worship? Could you tell somebody if they were to ask you, why is it you folks partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? Could you give somebody book, chapter, and verse? If a visitor said to you, you know, I notice you guys don't use an instrument. Why is that? Would you, would you be able to give book, chapter, and verse as to why we don't? If they ask, where is your authority for engaging in certain practices, what would you say? It all goes back to the same source. We've got to know the Bible, don't we? So there was a crisis in the church in the first century. But I want you to add to that the cost to the church. When we're not where we ought to be spiritually, the church is hurt or hindered. If we're not developing as children of God, individually and even collectively, it's going to stop the growth of the church. Now, I believe that if a church is growing spiritually, they will in turn grow numerically. They go hand in hand. So, what's the danger in not growing in the faith? I mean, what, what's so problematic about not knowing the truth of Almighty God. Let me just share with you some things that I think we ought to consider. Number one, when we fail to know what the Bible teaches, we rob ourselves of the ability to discern. And by that I mean to discern between what is right and wrong, good or evil, truth or error. So with that in mind, let's just look again at our lesson text. Listen to what the writer said, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. He said, You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is obeyed. But solid food, or meat, belongs to those who are of full age or those who are mature, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses, now listen to what he said, they have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We live in a day and time when many people have rejected the notion of absolute truth. And yet I believe that the Bible teaches the concept of absolute truth and that we can know the truth of Almighty God. Remember what Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. When it comes to that which is right and wrong, good or bad, 
truth or error. We're not talking about gray areas. Now, in this day and time, there are a lot of folks that want to talk about gray areas, and they want to they really don't want to unequivocally say anything is right or anything is wrong. You just determine for yourself. And so we have people today that are not willing to step up and say, you know what, that's just wrong. It's always been wrong. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Go back and look at Hosea chapter 4. You remember the prophet in the long ago indicted the children of Israel because he said there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Chapter 4, verse 1. Down in verse 6, he would say, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Then you add to that, Hebrews, or rather Hosea chapter 8, verse 12, when he said, I have given unto them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. What's he saying? They didn't know what the Bible taught. But they, they had no idea what the truth of God was. Foreign to their ears. So go back and look again at chapter 4. He said there is swearing and lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery. He said they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. So let me ask you a question. Is it wrong to lie? Do I, have to, do I have to really sit down and think through that? Is it wrong to lie? Let me tell you what the Bible says. Yes, it is. Is it wrong to kill somebody? What's the Bible teach? Yes. Is it wrong to commit adultery? Yes. I don't have to question whether or not that's right or wrong. I know it's right, right or wrong. I know whether it's right or wrong. How do I know that? Because that's what the book teaches, isn't it? Now we can say, well, we just really can't say, or we're not willing to come down on the side of truth, but the fact of the matter is, this book teaches what it teaches. Says what it says, and means what it means. Look over in Hosea chapter 14. Hosea said, the way of the Lord, listen to him, is right. We can turn a blind eye to crime in this country. But when it's all said and done, if you steal another person's property, that is wrong. It has always been wrong, and it will always be wrong. I don't care if you have a law degree from Harvard. It's still wrong. You take the life of another person, it's wrong. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. So we got folks today, in their heart of hearts, they really don't know how to discern between good or evil. What about you? And somebody says, well, you know, we really can't say that abortion is wrong. Oh, really? We can't? The Bible says it is. Can we say that it's wrong to murder? Yes, we can. Is it wrong to engage in any number of crimes that we read about in the newspaper or see on television? Well, sure. So it's back to understanding there is something called right, there's something called wrong. 
Good, evil, truth, error. How do I know whether or not the truth's taught? How can I discern whether or not what somebody is teaching and preaching is right or wrong? If somebody stood in this pulpit and said, you do not have to be baptized into Christ, what would you say? Not what the Bible teaches. If somebody says, you know what, just join the church of your choice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Plays well in our politically correct climate. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says you better be a member of the church you read about in that book. Once saved, always saved. Now, you know, we preach that that's false doctrine. Sometimes we practice it, though, as if it's truth. But the fact of the matter is, if somebody were to tell you, you can never lose your salvation, you need to redirect them back to the Word of God, don't you? So number one, the ability to discern. Number two, if we don't know what the Scriptures teach, it will rob us of our durability. What do I mean by that? There are a lot of people, for whatever reason, they have this idea that life is to be problem-free. Let me tell you, if you don't have a rock-solid faith when trouble and trial and difficulties come your way, you will not make it. Remember what Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble? Sadly, there are people in the body of Christ that will question, God, why did you allow this to happen? Or God, I can't believe that you allowed my child, my grandchild, my sibling, whatever, that you allowed them to die. Look, God doesn't allow, look, God is not responsible for the problems and trials and heartaches and sorrows of this, of this world. I can tell you who is the devil. You want to question somebody, question the devil. He's the one behind all of it. You know why we have death in the world? Because of the garden. Because the devil deceived Mother Eve. And so to expect in this life tough times. Wasn't it James that said, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith does what? Works patience or perseverance. The trials of life can do one of two things. They can make us better or they can make us bitter. It's our choice. But to understand something about the nature of life, look, this is not a problem-free society. We live in a world that has been subjected to pain and suffering. And if we don't understand that, you ever known somebody that has quit the faith because during their time of trial, their thinking was, God wasn't with me. Or God's people, they didn't stand with me. Look, our faith does not need to be in people. It needs to be in God. People can let you down. And when people begin to make excuses for why they're not faithful to God, and they say, well, the church didn't, didn't, stand, by, didn't stand by me like they should have. That may be the case, but that's no right to just quit, to go back into the world, is it? There's a third thought, and that is, if we don't know what the Bible teaches, it will rob us of devotion. 
Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. How are you going to know more about Jesus and about His will for you in this life if you don't read about Him? You ever heard the old phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder? You believe that? If you never pick up the Word of God and never spend time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're depriving yourself of something. You'll never have a clear picture of Jesus, who He is, what He wants for you, and what He can do for you. A lot of folks in the world today, they talk about Jesus, but the question is, do they know Jesus? In John chapter 12, we read of some Grecians that came to Philip on one occasion. And they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. You want to see Jesus? You want to know what Jesus is all about? You've got to spend time in that book right there. It's called the Bible. And if you don't spend time in that book, you will never know anything about the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Acts chapter 4, when the apostles, Peter and John, were called before the Sanhedrin council. Remember what, you remember what was said about them? They realized that those men were uneducated, untrained. They were not on par with Nicodemus. They weren't on par with the Gamaliel, the one at whose feet Saul of Tarsus learned. But the Bible says they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. One of the reasons why we're not as devoted as we ought to be to the cause of Christ is because we have yet to understand what He has done for us. And because of what what He has done for us, there is the motivation to live for Him day in and day out. Remember what Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul's saying, look, my life is about serving the Lord. Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I want to challenge us. Spend time reading and studying the gospel narratives. Spend time looking at what John had to say in his gospel. Look at what Matthew says and Mark and Luke. They're writing to different audiences, but the thrust of the message is the same. It's about Jesus. So if we want to be devoted to His cause, we've got to know something about Him. We've got to understand His will for us in this life. There's a fourth thing. If we don't know what the Word of God teaches, it will rob us of our duties in Christ. If you don't know the Word of God... How will you ever be able to sit down at work at the lunch table and answer somebody's questions or teach somebody the gospel of Christ? Look again at what the writer said. When by reason of time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be so equipped that you can sit down and talk to somebody fundamentally about what the Bible teaches, but you can't do that. When we emphasize sowing the seed of the kingdom, and remember what Jesus said, Luke 8, 15, the seed of the kingdom is the word of God. 
You can't sow what you don't know. If you don't know what the Bible teaches, you will never be able to sit down and have an intelligent conversation with somebody about the Bible. Just, that's just a fact. So we rob ourselves of the ability to teach others. We rob ourselves of the ability to be involved in the work of the church because, quite frankly, we don't know what the work is. The work of the church is about evangelism. Edification, yes. Benevolence, without question. But those are tools to get back to the main goal, which is preaching the gospel. When Hosea said many, many years ago, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, he could easily have been talking about the church in the 21st century. It is frightening, the lack of knowledge among some of our members. I had a friend tell me one time, he said, do not pass out a survey and in that survey ask what people think about instrumental music. He said, you'll be shocked. I'm not shocked because I know some people are using the instrument now. And you know why that is? Because they haven't been taught. Because they don't know what the Bible teaches. Look, we don't use the instrument not because we don't like because we don't like instruments of music, not because we don't have enough money to buy an instrument. It's because there is no authority for it. And so we've got folks that are novices in the faith. Somebody comes along, they say, well, you know what, it really not, it's really not that big a deal if we, if we use the instrument. You know what they say? Sound good to me. Can't do that. We have a duty to stand four square on Scripture. We have a duty to teach, to instruct, to edify, and to be involved in the work of the church. To identify my place in the body and then to get to work. There's a final thought very quickly. If we don't know the Word of God, we're going to lack direction in our life. You ever know somebody that just goes aimlessly through life? No real purpose, no real direction. They just kind of go with the flow day by day. As God's people, we are directed by what? By the Word. Didn't the psalmist say, Your word's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway? The Word of God gives direction to my life. If I don't understand what the word, of, the word of God teaches, how will I ever come to an appreciation of my purpose on earth? And by the way, what is my purpose? What's your purpose? Why are you here? What's life all about? Didn't Solomon answer that question? Solomon said, fear God and keep His commandments. This is man's all. That's what life's about. It's not just about me, but rather it's about serving. Living in such a way so that I bring glory to Almighty God. Can I do that? Yes. But I can't do that if I don't know that's what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? We are all to be salt and we're all to be light. 
And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When you take a meal to somebody, you're glorifying God. When you bear the burden of somebody who's really struggling in this life and they're hurting, did you know that you're glorifying God? When you try to teach somebody the gospel of Christ, or maybe there's somebody that you know that's not faithful like they should, and you're trying to get them back where they need to be, that's glorifying God. So, in conclusion, how would you rate your faith in the Lord? You got a strong faith? Do you have a growing faith? Do you have a weak faith or sadly no faith? We have to take the initiative to become mature in the kingdom of God. Opportunities like today when we come together for worship and Bible study, those are opportunities for us to grow, to learn, to mature in Christ. And when we choose not to come, as some do, sadly, we hurt ourselves. And in the grand scheme of things, we hurt the church overall. The church is hampered, hindered, when she's not growing spiritually. So today, are you a Christian? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? Would you be willing to make that good confession like the eunuch did in Acts 8 verse 37? You believe Jesus is the Son of God? You're willing to affirm that? Willing to repent of your sins and then be immersed in water? Let me tell you what, when you do that, you have done exactly what the Bible teaches. No ifs, buts about it. If you're here and your life's not what it ought to be, maybe your faith hasn't grown. It might be that you have been a member of the body of Christ for years and years and years, but you're still in infancy. Could I encourage you this day to dig deep, to start spending time in this book and trying to grow and to know the will of God in your life? This book will judge you one day. Only stands to reason that we know it. So if you're here today and you're not what you ought to be, could we encourage you to come as we stand and sing?